Well, good morning, everybody. To all of you who are watching online right now, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And I know this is a strange year. I do know that. But may this be the greatest Christmas you've ever had thus far. Merry Christmas to all of you. And to all of our men at Darrington, we love you. We are grateful for you. Merry Christmas to every one of you. We'll remember you on Christmas Day. And to everyone at Missouri City, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful to God for you. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. And to all of our members at the Richmond Rosenberg campus, look at you. Look what God is doing at your campus, raising up a new campus in Richmond Rosenberg. Merry Christmas to every single one of you. God bless you all. And to those at the Sugarland campus, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Merry Christmas. Christmas to every one of you. Now, the best that I know, as far as I know, I have never seen an angel face to face. But I'm totally convinced that an angel has seen me and an angel has seen you face to face. You say, well, how in the world could you say such a thing? Well, it's because of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. Hebrews 13, 2 says this, do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing some people have entertained angels without knowing it. I'm convinced that you have entertained angels and you didn't know it. And I've entertained angels and didn't know it. And maybe once or twice or maybe many times. We're in a series uh, that's short, called the Nativity, in which we're looking at the four most popular characters of our Nativity set. We have learned about trusting God through Mary. We've learned about having character through Joseph. And this morning, I want us to take a look at angel and angels, at an angel and angels, because these angels will teach us, will remind us again who Jesus truly is. I got to tell you, I've been so excited about this whole topic because very few times do people ever talk in church about angels or at least understand what the Bible teaches about angels. But this morning, I want us to do that very thing. Now, there are millions of angels, maybe hundreds of millions, maybe billions of angels. But no, how, no matter how many angels there are, there's only three angels we know by name the greatest of all the angels that were created, the most powerful of all the angels created, and the most beautiful angel that was created was named Lucifer. But Lucifer was raised in his heart in pride against God and rebelled against God, and when he did, he lost his position. And we know him today as Satan, the devil. The second angel that we know by name is Michael, the archangel. Michael, the archangel, every time you see him in Old Testament and New Testament, every time you see him, he is somehow defending, he is somehow, uh, therefore, the people of God. The Jewish people in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament, but he is defending us corporately, meaning all of us together. He is there for Israel. He is there for the church. And then the third angel is Gabriel. 
The angel Gabriel somehow, some way, every time he's mentioned, is in connection with the Messiah. He first makes his scene. The first time we hear about Gabriel is in the book of Daniel in two places. And in those two places, Gabriel appears, identifies himself, and he shares some of the prophecy with Daniel of the, second coming, of the first and second coming of Christ, of the coming of the Messiah. Then the next time we see him is in Luke chapter 1, where he appears before Zechariah the priest in the temple. There is Zechariah, and he's attending to the temple, and suddenly there is Gabriel, an angel, standing before him. You can imagine what, how shocked he was. And he says to Zechariah a very strange thing. He says to Zechariah, the Lord, our God, has heard your prayer. He speaks about the prayer as though it is present tense, but Zechariah knows it's past tense. And they had requested, Zechariah and Elizabeth, oh God, would you give us a child? Oh God, would you let Elizabeth bear a child for our family? And there was nothing but silence. You ever prayed and it seemed like God didn't hear? Total silence. And in their heart, in Zechariah and Elizabeth's heart, God had said no. But what God had said is, it's not right timing. It's not no, it's just not now. It is a delay. And so now he is an old man and Elizabeth is well in years. That's how the scripture puts it. No scripture will say a woman is old. Just well in age. And so there is Zachariah and this angel says, Zachariah's given up. This angel says, God has heard your prayer. And Zechariah doesn't believe him because it is an old prayer. It is a prayer they both had given up on. But now the time of the answer of God had come. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer, and you are about to have a son. And not just any son. Every child is precious. Every child is wonderful. Every child is a, is, is a miracle of God. But God is going to answer this prayer even greater than you ask it. He is going to give you a son, but this son will be John, who we call John the Baptist, preparing the way of the people, preparing the way for the Messiah. You know what's interesting to me? Sometimes, the, late, the older I get, I'm not well in, in, in age. I want you to know that. I am just middle age. But the older I get, the more I understand the timing of God, the more I see God is all about timing. And in the timing of God, God had prepared for this to be the moment in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life that they would have the great privilege of bringing John the Baptist, we call him John the Baptist, into the world. The next time that you read about Gabriel is just a few verses away. In Luke chapter 1, Gabriel appears before Mary and says to Mary, you are a blessed woman because God has chosen you of all the Hebrew women, he has chosen you to bring forth the Messiah, the Son of God. And then there are other appearances of the angel. I think it's Gabriel, but, the, but he is not identified in all of them, in any of them, beyond this moment. Now this is the time, with all this in mind, 
that I want us to pause for a few moments and get to know angels. What does the Bible actually teach about angels? So very quickly, I want us to look at seven key things. First of all, angels are real individuals. They are real characters of God. There are over 300 times in which the Bible talks about angels, and in every time, it talks about them as being real. Never figurative, they are real beings that God created. Second of all, Job says in Job chapter 38 that angels had been created by God before God created the universe that the angels actually witnessed the creation of the universe. Well, stop for a moment and think about that in its context. If angels had been created before the universe was created, and they're beings, they have to be somewhere, so where were they? Obviously, they were in heaven. But that means that heaven is not part of this universe. Heaven is somewhere else other than this universe. I make that point because so many people I hear talking about heaven, talk about heaven as though it's some, some place a long ways away, maybe in some far distant galaxy somewhere. But heaven is not that at all. Heaven, for lack of better wording, is a universe to itself. That there is not just one universe, there's at least two. And heaven is that alternate universe where the angels now watch as this universe we live in is created by God. When you understand it from that context, it is amazing then when you begin to read these passages about angels, how much clarity it brings. For instance, there are passages in the Old Testament where an angel is sent by God and he is battling through and can't quite get to his uh, intended person. And now Michael the archangel has to come and help him and help him battle through it and then is able to get through. He is passing from one, from one universe to the next, and he needs assistance because there is warfare that is taking place. There's so much clarity that happens when we read about angels understanding that they come from a different universe. Suddenly they appear, and here they are. There is something else that is said. Angels do not age, and they do not die. Why? Because they're in heaven, and people in heaven do not age and do not die. Is there a yea God for heaven? Yay God. Because one day you and I are going to live in heaven, and when we live in heaven, we will not age. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we will not die. The fifth, fourth is this. Angels are more powerful than people. Angels have intelligence. Angels see and understand history. And angels sometimes are given the opportunity to see the future in advance. The fifth thing is this. Angels can be invisible to us, but they can also appear to us when they need to. Just because they're invisible doesn't mean they're not here. And this is the idea of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. One of the stories of the Old Testament is so clear about this idea. There is Elisha. And there is a servant. And there is an army that has come against Elisha to kill Elisha. But Elisha's so calm. 
And yet his servant is so afraid. And Elisha just says to God, Lord, would you show my servant what you have already shown me? And suddenly the scales fall from the servant's eyes and he sees surrounding them is an angelic host. They are all around them, between them and the army that has come to kill Elisha. Elisha's not afraid because Elisha sees all of the angelic host. He knows he will not die on that day. You see, you and I may very well have angels that are surrounding us, and especially in those moments of such heartache and difficulty and sorrow in such hard times in our life, God has not left us alone. His Holy Spirit is with us, and it may very well be that the angelic host is too. There is a sixth thing. Angels in the Bible are usually male. And in fact, there's only one place in the Bible in Zechariah which the angel was a female. Have you noticed in pop popular culture that angels are almost always female? Again, the culture gets it wrong. They're mostly apparently male because that seems to be what happens when an angel appears, only in Zechariah female. Here's another thing. There's hundreds of millions, maybe billions of angels that God has created, but those angels around the throne of God are called cherubim and seraphim. One day when you and I get to heaven and there we are before the very throne of God, surrounding God continuously, never changing, are the cherubim and the seraphim attending to the throne of God. All the other angels, all the other angels are connected to us by helping us in need. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Who are the little ones? They're talking, he's talking about children in the context of the passage. Make sure you do not despise any of these little children. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What Jesus is saying, I can't understand any other way, but that every child has at least one angel and sometimes multiple angels attached to that child. So in my imagination, it works out this way. Little boys, they probably have two or three or 10 angels. And when they finally lay their head down at the end of the day, every one of their angels are totally exhausted. Little girls, yeah, they've got an angel. But sometimes they don't even need a little angel because the truth is they're so sweet, they're like angels themselves. <laughs> Notice something else that the Bible teaches. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? What is it saying? Every Christ follower is being assisted by one or more angels during our lifetime. There have been times in my life that I've thought, there must have been an angel in this moment or I'd been dead by now. There must have been an angel in this moment because somehow, some way, I escaped. There is oftentimes in our lives ministering 
ministering angels who are there for you. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you inherited salvation? There is a ministering or ministering angels, either one or more, who are there ministering in your life. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. Now, with all this in mind, let's take a look at how angels help us to better understand Christmas. You look at the whole Christmas story. There is the angel with Mary. Mary, I have great news for you. You will be the mother of the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then an angel appears to Joseph in the dream, but an angel nonetheless. Joseph, you need to believe what Mary has said to you. She's told you the truth. That one that she is bearing in her body is because of the Holy Spirit. You take her to be your wife. And then the next moment, at least in my heart, I believe it's the case, is that time in which these wise men come and they are told in a dream, I believe, by an angel, don't go back to Herod, go a different way. You cannot trust that man. And then the next moment, there is an angel that appears to Joseph and says to Joseph, Joseph, you get Mary and you get the baby Jesus and you hightail it out of Bethlehem. You leave Bethlehem right now in order to save your lives and you go to Egypt. And then after a while, angel appears to Joseph. Joseph, it's time. You take Mary and Jesus and you go back to Judea. And then when they arrive, another angel appears. Now, Joseph, I want you to take your wife and your son, and I want you to go up to Nazareth. You will be safe there. The next time we hear of an angel related to Jesus, it is after the 40 days and the 40 nights of fasting. And you remember that after that happened, Satan came and tried to deceive and tried to tempt Jesus in the ways that you and I are tempted, and yet he did not bite. He did not yield. And after that moment, do you remember what the Bible says? It says that angels came and ministered to Jesus. And then the next time, there is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is in such pain, such sorrow, such stress. And in the midst of all of that, so much stress that he, there was even blood that came out of his forehead, sweat drops of blood. But the Bible says angels came and ministered to him just hours before he would pay the ultimate price for you and me. At the resurrection, after Jesus has come out of the grave. What do we see? There's two angels and they're there. I can't help but believe one of them is Gabriel. 40 days later, Jesus ascends to heaven and what do we see? Two angels, I can't believe but that, that Gabriel is one of them who says to these disciples, don't worry, you have seen him leave to heaven but you're gonna see him come back. And then, the Bible says that when Jesus Christ comes back, there won't be just two angels. There will be millions of angels, angels, maybe billions of angels that will come back in force with Jesus at the return of Jesus Christ. All of these are stories. All of these are incidences where connected to the life of Jesus, you will find angels 
but the most popular of all the stories. The most familiar of all the stories is that night. The night in which Jesus is born. Do you remember? Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel, the Lord stood before him. It's just an angel. I believe it's Gabriel. I can't, I can't prove that, but I believe it is. An angel, the Lord stood before him. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Circle the word all. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now very quickly, just a couple of points. First of all, notice that it says, unto you is born a savior. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us are in need of rescue. None of us can save ourselves. None of us can be good enough to get to heaven on our own. This is why Jesus came. So with this in mind, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. At your house, while you're watching, I'm going to ask you to participate. On all of our campuses, I'm going to ask you to participate. Would you say with me, John 3.16, it's up on the screen, and let's read it together. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever will. This morning, online as you're watching, whatever campus that you are at, this morning, whosoever will may come. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this day you can come to know Jesus Christ as, as your Savior. He died on the cross for you. This morning, if you are a whosoever, if you will give your heart to Christ, he'll save you and forgive you and cleanse you. No matter what you've done, no matter what your past has been like, he has come to save you. Would you open your heart to Jesus Christ today and let him become the savior of your life? There's something else I want you to notice in the passage. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. The glory of the Lord simply means who God is in his known presence. If you think about the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord shone many times. There is Moses. He goes up to Mount Sinai to meet with God in Mount Sinai. And what happens? The glory envelops the mountain. And God arrives to speak to Moses, to have fellowship with Moses. And then the glory leaves. But when Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is still shining, reflecting the glory of the Lord. When the tabernacle is finished, God comes in his glory and envelops that tabernacle. A few hundred years later, when the temple is built, 
And the dedication is the prayer is prayed. And Solomon prays that prayer. Suddenly the glory of the Lord envelops that temple and goes right in to the Holy of Holies. And when he goes into the Holy of Holies, there he is in his glory. A few hundred years later, there is a vision that God gives to Ezekiel. The people had turned their heart from God. The priests had turned their heart from God. And God brings Ezekiel to that temple. And then as he is watching the temple, suddenly the Shekinah glory of God comes up out of that temple, hovers around the temple, and then goes back to heaven. The glory is gone. The glory is gone. And not one more time in the Old Testament do you read of the glory. The glory's gone. 400 years, 500 years. And suddenly, to a group of shepherds of all things, out in the field, suddenly the glory of the Lord shines round about. The glory is back. In Jesus, the glory of God returns. One more thing and we're finished. I want you to notice what happens in verse 13 and 14. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ, he brings peace inside of you. You have peace with God. He teaches you to have peace with others and goodwill toward all mankind. There's something different about a Christian. There's something different about a Christ follower when the glory comes to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. He brings peace, not just with God, not just with yourself, but with others. And he brings good will toward all mankind. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Have you committed your heart to him by faith? If you haven't, you can today. Online, at the Next Step Center, virtual Next Step Center, you can give your heart to Christ. You can talk to one of our ministers and accept Jesus into your heart. On all of our campuses, you can go to the Next Step Center, the physical one, in which you talk face-to-face with another minister in our church, and you can give your heart to Jesus Christ. You can recommit yourself to Christ. You can join our church. Whatever God's leading you to do, Open your heart, and today, say yes to God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today, and we love you, and we're so grateful. And one of the great things, oh God, one of the great things of Christmas is that we come to renew our relationship with you. Many come to receive Jesus for the very first time. They will spend the greatest Christmas, experience the greatest Christmas of their life because they will have come to know the reason for the season. 
and you will have come into their heart. Oh God, I pray many listening to me today will accept Jesus as their Savior and allow you to come to live inside their heart. I pray, Father, for every Christ follower that this would be a time of recommitment of our heart to you. That we might experience what is meant by peace on earth and goodwill toward all mankind. Grow us, teach us, revive us again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.